You're listening to Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Here, we'll chat about all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics in all honesty. I'm your host, Maris Young. Thank you so much for joining me today on Young Honest Mother, the podcast. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to our talk. Yay. So I like to start out with one simple yet complex question. And in this case, it is, who is Nicole? Yes, a very simple question, but hard to answer. Um, Those kinds of questions are the kinds I don't really like because the answer isn't so straightforward. Mm -hmm. But um, the short answer is, you know, I'm a mom, a wife, a sister, I'm an NTP. I'm <laughs> very sensitive to things around me, but also I'm always evolving and changing. I'm not the same person that I was even a year ago. I couldn't picture where I was going to be now, even mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Um, it's it's just a complex um question, even though it's so simple. (laughs) Agreed. I, it's, there's just so much you could go into just with that. (laughs) So you started out by saying that you're a mom. Tell me a little bit more about Mm -hmm. how becoming a mom has shaped your journey into learning more about who you are. Well, I always knew that I wanted to have kids. Mm -hmm. And honestly, as I grew up in in my early 20s, I thought, well, I'll just bide my time until I can have kids and just be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. I'll go through the motions of getting a career and um, living my life. But I always knew that eventually that would stop and I would have kids and I would just stay home with them and take care of them. Mm-hmm. I think because that's, what my mom did. So that's what I saw as what you did Mm -hmm. as a woman. You maybe you'd have a career, but if you weren't really into it, you just have some kids and stay home with them. Uh, which is exactly what happened. Um, in a roundabout way, I should say. Um, and I was happy to stay home with my daughters. It was, but it was hard. It was hard because they're pretty close in age. Mm. Um, But over time I found that I didn't feel as happy as I thought I would be. I didn't feel as like fulfilled as I thought I would be. Mm. Um, It just felt like not enough. But along with that came like feelings of guilt Mm -hmm. for it not being enough for me to just be. And I don't like to use that phrase. I'm just a mom. I think that's a terrible phrase. Right. There's so much (laughs) that goes into being just a mom, but I know it's you. Yeah. When you go to like a party and they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm just a mom. I hated that. (laughs) So do you think that um, 
Okay, I have a couple questions now that are popping up at the same time, but do you think that that stemmed from kind of like a mindset that you personally had about motherhood really not amounting to much? Because I'm just thinking about if mm. you were going to a party and someone asked you, oh, so what is it that you do? And you say, I'm just a mom. You know, there's a choice there. You could say, oh, I'm a mom. I stay at home with the kids and I, you know, help to help them like as they mm -hmm. develop and all of those things. So talk to me a little bit more about your mindset as you were starting to feel a little bit differently about the situation that you had always dreamed of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that I felt sort of embarrassed hmm. about just being a stay-at-home mom because I think there's a lot of um, people who don't have that role. Um, there, there's a lot of misconceptions about what you're, what you could possibly be doing mm -hmm. all day. Um, I have a family member who would tease me about just staying at home and eating bonbons and watching soap operas and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, they would praise me for doing such a good job at raising my daughters. So I, I don't know, it was um, hard to navigate, but it's, it's, it, I just felt like there was more mm. for me out there, but I didn't know what it was. Hmm. Uh, I was just content to go along and just kind of coast mm -hmm. when my kids were really little. Yes. Because I just didn't, I just didn't see I couldn't see what I could possibly do instead. Right. Or in addition to. And I remember you towards the beginning of the conversation, you used the phrases biding your time and kind of going through the motions um, in your career. Mm -hmm. And now it kind of sounds like that translated into your stay at home motherhood life as well. Mm -hmm. So how, what, what shifted, what kind of brought you out of that period of just coasting and um, how mm -hmm. did you start taking steps towards another path? Well, that is a big part of my more recent story. Mm. Um, when my younger daughter was going to start kindergarten, uh, that summer beforehand, I had been feeling pressure from probably quite a lot from myself mm -hmm. and from people around me and probably, you know, the culture and society to what was I going to do now? Mm. What are you going to do now that both of your kids are going to be in school all day? What are you going to do with your time? You're going to have so much free time. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? And that felt really uh, heavy and kind of paralyzing because I didn't know what I was going to do and I didn't know why I needed to think of what I was going to do. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot to do in a household, even if your kids are not there. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but I also was feeling pressure to like get a job 
and bring in some income mm-hmm. for my family because we were struggling to make ends meet. Uh, we live in a pretty big city, and my husband has a job that is like his life's passion, but it doesn't pay that well. So at the time, it was very like, okay, I'll have free time. I can get a job. Mm-hmm. But I could not conceive what kind of job I could get during the school day that would be flexible and um, be worth my time. Uh, Previously, I had worked in the food service industry um, as a pastry chef. And from my experience in that field, I knew there was no way I wanted to go back to that work. Mm -hmm. And it was not going to be flexible at all Mm -hmm. because that's just the nature of that industry um and so with all these feelings I started having bad anxiety and panic attacks just out of nowhere Hmm. the kind that I was sure I was dying I don't know anyone who's had a panic attack before they understand what I'm talking about but I understand it really yeah it really does feel like quite an emergency Mm -hmm. and I started also having um, spells of vertigo I was afraid to drive anywhere because I was worried I would get really dizzy and you know not be safe on the road and this this was kind of debilitating and just I had this heavy feeling with me all the time Mm. um it was just finding it hard to just function and um a friend of mine asked me if I would just like to come and work for her and help her take care of her new baby oh wow and I was like oh that would that would be great you know, I could do it during the school day. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very flexible. She said, whatever days of the week I wanted to come over. Um, and it was just like, she was overwhelmed with being a new mom herself. Mm-hmm. And my kids were older and I had, I had actually nannied before. And so, um, I've been actually doing that part-time for the last three years. Wow. Um, So she really helped me a lot with that sort of lifeline Mm -hmm. to help our family. Um, But I still had the anxiety. And I turned to um, food and diet to try and get it under control. Because I could control the food. Mm -hmm. So in turn, I thought if I can control the food, then I can control my, my feelings and my, my anxiety, which actually it did help for a while, but it did not, it did not make it go away entirely. And I think it was about, um, maybe a year and a half of that. And then the anxiety got so much worse that there was a period of a few months where I 
was just in bed mm. all the time. I was able to get up and take care of my family because in my mind I had to do that. And I was able to go to work because in my mind I had to do that. I would just push through. Mm. But the rest of the time I would just lay in bed and be miserable. And that was like my rock bottom because I I had never been like uh, stuck, you know, in bed feeling so terrible. And I couldn't see how I could live that way and take care of my family. You know, like little kids in school, they still need you. You know, they want to come want to come home and tell you all about their day. And that was so hard for me interacting with my kids um, after school or before school. I just emotionally, I just wasn't able to hold space for them at all. Mm. It was just exhausting and just too difficult. I just felt too um, unstable. Were you sharing any of these thoughts with your family as you were going through this? I was sharing a little bit with my older daughter. Mm -hmm. I would just say, I'm just feeling so worried lately and I'm just having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And like they could tell that I was just laying in bed and looking miserable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was not, I was not my normal self at all. Um, I was sharing, of course, my husband, how terrible things were for me. And he was just like, I don't know what to do for you. So he actually really stepped up a lot in that time to help take care of getting the kids to school and making dinner and helping them with packing their lunches and doing laundry and things like that, mm. which was, a, you know, really nice and a great big help. Because I was just struggling so much just to do those basic things. Mm. And I shared a lot with um, some of my sisters who have struggled with other kind of things like that in the past. And I knew I, you know, they were a a great support to me to talk to and help me um, emotionally get through but I knew that like there was something more that I needed to do. Mm. I couldn't just lay in bed and hope, wait for it to hopefully go away. Right. <laughs> so um, I did finally go to see a doctor to get help. And I had resisted going to see a doctor in the past about my anxiety because I was very afraid of like medication Mm. um, because I was afraid of the um, side effects. And I was afraid about what if I wanted to get off of the medication and I knew it was, that was a difficult thing to do Mm -hmm. to get off of those types of medications. And I was not wanting to put myself through that in the future. Um, so I went to see a a naturopathic doctor and, um, she really helped me. She could see right away that there was things like physically 
uh, wrong with like my hormones and my digestion and a bunch of other things that had never occurred to me. Hmm. And we did a lot of testing and she helped me with supplements and she helped me with diet to start helping me feel better. And I am forever grateful to that woman because she, she just started it all for me, um, recognizing how important certain things are to your mental health Mm. from a medical perspective, from a diet and lifestyle perspective. Yeah. What were your biggest takeaways after having met with her and, and done all of this testing? Um, that your, the, like the connection between your, your mind and your, your gut basically. Mm-hmm. And the connection between your, your mood and your, um, like your blood sugar regulation, your, your hormones basically. Um, cause that's, that was really what was wrong with me was, um, the, the love, my blood sugar levels were going up and down so erratically and just crashing so hard that it was, um, manifesting in like anxiety for me. And, you know, it was related to other things in, in digestion, but it just, there was things I could do. Yeah. She's like, okay. That's optimistic. Yeah. And I mean, it was just so like, what, (laughs) what do you mean? I just need to eat more carbs (laughs) and this will start to get better. And she was right. I didn't really quite believe her. I had been eating like a, a paleo style diet kind of, and inadvertently I had been eating not enough carbohydrates for me Mm -hmm. and that coupled with other things was just making my blood sugar crash so low that it was making me feel horrendous. So, um, it was just eye opening, and um, it, within that time, it was also when I got diagnosed with my autoimmune disease, which I think because I was so stressed, I think that's what caused it to flare in the first place. Mm. I don't know if I ever would have um, discovered that I had it if I hadn't been in such a terrible place with the anxiety and all that, which kind of is a bummer, but I'm thankful that it's been um, discovered Mm. so I can be aware of it and um, take care of myself better. Right. Because of that. So uh, this also reminds me at the beginning of our conversation and as you were starting to experience this anxiety, you mentioned that the first thing you tried to do was really control your food. And Mm -hmm. um, at that time, it seems like it it really wasn't showing you the same results that you later saw after you um, visited with this naturopath. So talk to me a little bit Mm -hmm. more about the path that that took you on as you started to indeed find that there is a connection between the types of food that you're eating, how much of it that you're eating and, and how that affects your mental health. Yeah. Yeah. So 
when I first started to try and control my mood with my diet, it was, I was just kind of grasping at things. I, I didn't really know anything. Mm-hmm. I have, um, in my family, unfortunately, we have quite a bit of um, inflammatory bowel disease. And I have a sibling who had used this protocol to help her put her disease into remission. Wow. And um, I thought, well, if it's good enough for an autoimmune disease, I bet it can help with my anxiety. So I put myself on this autoimmune protocol diet <laughs> just to try and make my anxiety go away. I see. So it it did help me feel better. I think just because of, you know, lessening um, inflammatory foods, but I wasn't doing it right. Mm. I was just kind of picking and choosing what I liked about it. Gotcha. And I, so I wasn't really doing it the way that it's recommended to do it. I wasn't working with anyone to help me. I was just using the internet and some cookbooks. Um, so I, I was not fueling my body the way that it needed to be fueled. And I, I didn't learn much about, about it. And so when I started to work with the naturopath, And I was telling her what I was eating. And I was like, I eat so well. I have such a clean diet. Like there's, I'm probably like the best patient you have with the cleanest diet. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, but you're not eating very many carbs and your blood sugar is crashing so hard. So, and everything's messed up. So you're not quite doing good enough. For you and your diet's so restricted right now, and that's you know that's not good. And I would, and you know, I I wasn't quite hearing her mm-hmm. because I was also at that time really afraid of certain foods. I had kind of um, messed up my relationship with food. I was coming from a place of fear. Mm at that time. And it was a real struggle to incorporate her food recommendations because of how much fear I was dealing with around food. But incorporating what she suggested over a period of just two weeks improved my anxiety so much, just in the physical manifestation of it, that I was just blown away that that I had completely missed that. I hadn't realized it. And this, um, you could tweak your, your food in such a way and what you were eating in such a way that you could help, you know, your anxiety and panic that I thought, well, I need to tell, I need to tell people about this. Mm. I need, I need to tell people like the reason why they feel so bad might be because of what they're eating or what they're not eating. Mm, That's powerful. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what set me on my path to go back to school 
which I never, ever, ever imagined for myself, ever, (laughs) ever. I was, you know, I was done. I was coasting, you know, I was just going to coast along until retirement. And then I would get to do what I wanted to do, whatever that was. Right. So what did you decide to study? I decided to study nutrition, specifically um, nutritional therapy, which is more a more holistic approach to diet and lifestyle. Um, I studied at the Nutritional Therapy Association and I became a nutritional therapy practitioner, an NTP. And that, you know, my reason for doing that was just to help other people get through their mental health struggles Mm. just as I, I mean, I was learning at the same time as I was going through the program because um, it just all happened at once. I couldn't wait, (laughs) even though I felt so terrible, I couldn't wait to start sharing with other people Hmm. um, and learning. So did you find as you entered into this program and you started learning all of these things that you hope to share, did, did that help to lessen the rest of the anxiety? And did you start to see a path that you might want to follow? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. In the, the months that I was seeing the naturopath and leading up to when I would start school was still really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you can't, you know, nothing is fixed overnight. Right. Um, but I was starting to be able to get back to my old self slowly. And there were days that I just almost felt normal mm. again. And then, you know, the next day I would feel terrible <laughs> again mm. Um, there was a lot of lessons learned um, in that year, and I could see that um, getting this certification would really help me to help, you know, be m- more of like a voice of authority. Like, I could talk about my own experiences, of course, right. um, but I wanted to, you know get down to like what, what was really going on and why it was so helpful and um, what I could do and how I could help other people move through the same um, type of experiences and be more like fully more supported and um, not feel like they're, you know, Googling their every symptom late into the night and trying to find solutions, which is what I was doing. You know, I was every little twinge. I was send me into a, a spiral of worry and like, oh, what does this mean? What does that mean? What can I do? Mm. There was just a lot, just so much um, fear and and anxiety about everything. Hmm. It just and it. I didn't want. Um, I thought, no, you didn't have to go through that. Like you, there was things you could do that would not, um, 
that your regular doctor wouldn't tell you that perhaps they didn't know about. Mm. Um, you know, uh, your regular general practitioner isn't trained in nutrition hardly at all. And I had found how powerful that was for me in my mood and feeling better along with lots of other supportive things. Um, and I'm not saying if you have anxiety that you should not go to your doctor because mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that is, that is not what you should do at all. But I am saying that a, there can be many people on your team. I like that. Your healthcare team. Yeah. That, you know, you can see a chiropractor, you can see your doctor, you can see your specialist, you can see your nutritionist, you can go to physical therapy. I mean, there's lots of people that you can have on your team to help you, Mm -hmm. your therapist, um, energy healing. Like there's all kinds of things that you can, um, use to help you. I mean, I use lots of things as well. I wasn't just, um, seeing my naturopath because I, there was just so much more to unpack there. It wasn't just that I wasn't eating right. Mm -hmm. You know, it was much, there was much more to that. So take me to the moment you receive your NTP certification. What's going through your mind (laughs) and where do you, where do you hope to, to go from there? Mm. Yes. Um, That was a big moment for me. Just getting a little emotional, just thinking about it. Um, Because I never thought that I would do anything with my life besides, you know, be a mom, Mm -hmm. which I love being a mom. It's one of the best things ever. It just wasn't enough for me. And I didn't know that until I found what else I wanted to do with my life. Um, So when I got my certification, it felt like unreal. <laughs> like, I can't believe I did this. Wow. It's amazing. Cause it was quite hard to do along with everything else. Right. Um, but I, I, I felt like this is the, the first step in many more steps going forward. And I was very excited to, start working on what I wanted to create um, for other moms going through the same kind of thing Mm -hmm. that we're struggling with being a parent and also, you know, being there for their families Mm -hmm. and being there for themselves, which is what I had to learn for myself was to put myself first. I had not been doing that at all. Um, and I hadn't been, um, taking the time for myself and I wasn't able to take care of my family because of that. And so I, I want to create, I have a lot of, a lot of dreams and a lot of ideas right now, but what, what I would love to create is a type, a kind of, um, a community, um, a support to 
moms who are suffering from mental illness of any kind, a place where they can go to be understood, talk to others going through the same thing. You know, the conversation around mental health is, is gotten better and better over the last few years, but there's still a lot of stigma. There's still a lot of shame. Uh, Nobody wants to actually admit that they might be struggling because, you know, that's a failure, which of course it's not a failure. It's just, it happens. It's, it's just life. You know, the world we live in is a stressful place. Mm -hmm. It's not, it might not seem that way because everything is so much easier than it was, you know, say a hundred, 200 years ago, but it's a very stressful place. There's a lot, a lot out there putting pressure on moms, especially mm-hmm. to do it all, to be everything mm-hmm. for their families and to look good doing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It is a lot of pressure. You're so right. What are a couple yeah. of tips that you have for moms who may find themselves in this moment struggling with their thoughts, maybe with the pressure, with the stress of mm. life and motherhood and everything, everything you just mentioned. Mm. What are some tips that you'd mm-hmm. like to share with someone going through an experience like that? Mm. Yeah, I think it's easy to get carried away with what you're feeling. Mm-hmm and being overwhelmed and like you can't get anywhere and that it's just, there's always something you're supposed to be doing Mm. and to feel pulled in many directions and something that I like to do and I still do quite often is to sneak away every day. Um, and just sit and take deep breaths and just focus and calm your mind. I mean, it's, it's sounds easier than it is. And I know that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but what I, I just think that taking a few minutes to take some deep breaths and just get yourself grounded and give yourself those few minutes to also uh, take a reality check Mm. with your life right now. Um, I think it's easy to get wrapped up in the go, 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 Mm -hmm. do, do, do. But if you take a few minutes to step back and just check in with yourself and give yourself like, come on, what's really going on here? You can perhaps find some areas where you can just let go. You know, maybe it's, it's okay if you, you know, order the takeout Mm -hmm. or order some groceries. You don't have to be all things to everyone. Maybe you're going to spend that money on that house cleaner because it's just too much for you to try and keep the toilet clean and get dinner on the table. It's, um, if you're able to do it, and I recognize that there's 
a privilege in being able to outsource those kinds of things. It's not something everyone can do. But you can say no to some things so that you can say yes to other things. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, and it's, yeah, just getting clear on what's most important to you. And if it's saying no to all those after school activities that you're taking your kids to, mm-hmm. then just say no. Maybe it's just for a season. Maybe it's not forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that I've, I've always protected my time and my kids' downtime in that way because I didn't want them to feel over-scheduled. Right. Um, and I knew that I just didn't have the the capacity to <laughs> take them places every night of the week. Mm-hmm. I just... I just couldn't do that to myself, right. <laughs> no matter no matter what. So this makes me think about how I often see you post on Instagram about being a recovering perfectionist. And I think this mm. plays <laughs> a lot into what you have brought up here. So can you share a little bit more mm-hmm. about how perfectionism manifested in your life and, and what it's like mm-hmm. to kind of let go of that? Yes. Um, so I think that for me, I really like to be in control of things. And even when it didn't make sense, I just wanted to be in control and know what the outcome would be. I wanted to know what was coming Mm -hmm. and what to expect. And, um, that I think manifested in a kind of like perfectionism and perfectionism in that if I knew what was coming and I knew how it was going to go, then I could do it right. Mm. And I wouldn't mess up because if you mess up, that must mean you don't know what you're doing and you're not smart. Hmm. And um, this it, over my life, it's kind of um, crippled me in that I wouldn't uh, try new things if I wasn't confident of being successful at them. I can relate to that. <laughs> Hardcore. Mm, yeah. It's, um, you know, if I'm not guaranteed a, a success, then I'm not going to try. I wasn't, I'm not, I wasn't even willing to try mm. and mess up. Because if you mess up, then you're not smart and you don't know how to do anything. Mm. Where do you think that <laughs> stemmed from? Um, uh, I think it's a generational thing, to be honest. Um, a control thing of not showing your emotions, being uh, perfect. You know, it's like a, I feel like it's very, can be very unique to women. Um, it's, it's something that I know about myself and that I still 
struggle with, but I'm at a point now where I'm aware of it and I can recognize those feelings coming. I'm like, all right, I see you, Mm. but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. What sparked that awareness? Do you have any memory of that? Um, Well, it was probably through some of the work of Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. She does a lot of writing on perfectionism and shame. And um, I was gifted. uh, I don't know if it was her first book. Um, It's called The Gifts of Imperfection. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone gave it to me. Someone who thought I needed it. Uh, which I did not read for two years after it was given to me, I have to say, (laughs) because I wasn't ready. Um, But that, uh, you know, watching her TED Talks and reading her books really helped me understand like what it was and why it was holding me back. And also learning about, um, um, I don't know if if you have heard of this, there's, it's been out uh, for a few years. Um, It's a mindset thing it's called growth mindset versus a fixed mindset Mm, mm -hmm. very interesting um basically I think the people who are more of like a perfectionist type have a very fixed mindset meaning they don't think that they can like learn and do better Mm. they think that they're as smart as they are and they know what they know and that's the end Mm. And a growth mindset is where you're, you're, you're aware that you are always learning and you can learn new things. And if you make a mistake, that's okay. You have just learned from that mistake and you can move on and try again. And generally you're one or the other. But if you have a fixed mindset, it can be learned to move towards a more of a growth mindset. Mm. And when I learned about that, I was um, like, oh, yeah, I definitely have a fixed mindset because that's just how I've always thought. Like, if I don't know it, then I don't know it, Mm. you know, and that's just the end, Mm -hmm. which is not true. You know, you can learn new things, but that's something that I had to um, really practice. And I saw it manifesting in um, my kids that they were coming from a place of a fixed mindset. And I was like, Oh no, we cannot have that. (laughs) I don't want them to go through life, like being perfectionist type and not feeling that they can learn new things and learn from their mistakes and not feel terrible about themselves for having made a, a mistake or not knowing something on the first try. Yeah which is very difficult to teach your kids. I'm just going to say it's very hard. So how did you shift more towards a growth mindset? Well, it's being aware of it is the first step. Mm. And, um, you know, when I'm in that moment of frustration with something, and I'm just not getting it on the first try, I can feel really bad about myself and kind of feel like shame or embarrassment about like not being able to do it. 
And then it's that reality check again of, okay, just because you can't do it on the first try doesn't mean that you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Everybody is learning. You're learning. You can learn new things. It is possible. I mean, going through school again, I had, I struggled with that a lot because school had always been easy for me. And going through the NTP program at times was very hard. And I questioned my um, ability many times to get through it. Mm. But I was so determined to do it. And I thought, you know, I can do this. It's just going to be harder. And it's okay that it's hard. Right. That sounds like it also stems to a lot of self-talk in the way that we have conversations with ourselves. You know, the types of things that we say can be so powerful. Mm -hmm. And so to to switch over to more of, you know, uh, it might not be as easy as it was before, but I can still do it. That's a huge shift. And I'm really glad that you shared that with the listeners and, and how you were able to arrive at that point because it's not always easy to get there. Like I mentioned, I'm someone who yeah, um, I would say is a recovering perfectionist and definitely had a fixed mindset and was really mm. averse to new situations and putting myself in in a space where I could potentially not succeed, you know, and it had a lot to do Mm -hmm. with the things that I was telling myself. So that self-talk is so important Mm -hmm. and mindset matters truly. Yes, definitely. That was a huge, that's a huge piece for sure. Well, as we start to come full circle, I've mentioned it a couple of times because I do follow you over on Instagram. So for our listeners, How can they stay in touch with you and learn more about all that you're doing? Well, I'm most active right now on Instagram and you can find me at vibrant mind nutrition and I'm working on um, launching my website and thereafter I will be starting to take clients and um, I have a wait list going already. Congratulations. Very exciting. Um, thank you. Um, so I'm just, um, it's slow going to get a business up and running, but it's, I'm, I'm chugging away at it and, um, yeah, I'm trying to share, um, a lot more on Instagram, um, cause I'm, I'd like to build a community there and perhaps um, in another platform sometime in the future. So come join me over there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for sharing more about your story. Yeah, I was excited to talk to you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And that's it for this episode of Young Honest Mother, the podcast, which means it's time for you to join the conversation. Share your thoughts on social media and tag me at Young Honest Mother. And then pass this episode along to friends and family who need to know that they're not alone on this journey either. Until next time, I'm your host, Maris Young.